Come on, if he's giving you life abundantly, somebody give him a praise tonight. Somebody give him a praise tonight. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody standing next to you. Tell them I'm living my best life now. Turn to somebody else. Tell them I'm living a blessed life now. My most difficult day living for God is better than the best day I ever had in the world. I didn't have to give up anything to live for Jesus. I didn't have to give up one ounce of happiness or joy. But God delivered me from a whole lot of pain and suffering and heartache. Now I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. I wish somebody would just rear back tonight. Open up your mouth and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah. Woo. High five about 12 people on the way to your seat. Tell them I've got victory. Yes, I do. Oh, some of y'all ain't doing it right. Tell them I've got victory. Yes, I do. Come on, clap your hands one more time and give the Lord a praise in this house. Woo! You can be seated for just a moment. You excited to be at Sunday Night Live tonight? Come on, are you excited to be at Sunday Night Live tonight? Amen. So incredible to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. Let me join in what has already been said and give a great big welcome tonight to all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord. Rock Church, I need you to lend me your hands and your voice uh, and give a great big noisy ovation uh, for all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord tonight. Come on, help me make them feel welcome. We're so glad to have you. Welcome to the Rock Church of Fort Myers on the banks of the beautiful Caloosahatchee River in downtown Fort Myers the city of Palms, God's chosen place. Amen. We're so honored to have you. To all of our online guests that are streaming with us tonight, welcome. We're glad that you tuned in to be with us tonight. God is doing some amazing things in this place. Amen. I want to recognize some special guests tonight. There's a whole slew of folks here from Denver, Colorado, Pastor Haman's Church, and uh, let's give them a warm hand clap of welcome. Amen. I've known these folks for many, many years. But some of them have known me since I was a little kid. And uh, it's so wonderful. They're here vacationing in uh, our beautiful state. And they, they are doing tonight what any good apostolic does. And that's find a place to have some church while you're on vacation. <laughs> Amen. So good to have all of you with us tonight. Welcome. And uh, then it is so good to have uh, Brother Parker's parents are with us tonight. All the way from, well, I think they're from a few places, but I know Missouri is one of them. And uh, we're delighted to have them with us tonight. Would you help me put your hands together? 
and honor them tonight. Amen. So good to have you in the house of the Lord. And uh, it is, of course, so wonderful to have brother and sister Parker and their amazing family with us here tonight. And uh, they just made landfall a uh, week ago. I think it was maybe a week ago now, a little over a week ago. And are on site finally after quite some time of prayer and believing God and trusting him for his will. And they are starting a work in the Bradenton, Florida area. And uh, I believe that the Lord has already gone before them and prepared a way. Amen. And we're just honored to have them. I asked Brother Parker if he would just come and greet this congregation tonight. Would you put your hands together one more time? Thank God for the Parker family. Praise the Lord, church. First, I'd like to say thank you for welcoming my family with open arms the last few weeks. Me and the guys have been traveling, trying to finish up things in Louisiana and Mississippi. But My wife would give me a report coming to Fort Myers and God moving and strengthening. I'm thankful. You know, a lot of times you go to a new place and you just kind of feel out of place. You kind of, you know, it, God's still the same, but it, but thank you, Fort Myers, for your hospitality, your friendliness. In, in South Louisiana, we talk a lot about Southern hospitality, the friendliness of, you know, in the South and we just come on a little further south and it just got a little better. I want to share a story. I've never even shared it with Brother Williams. But 2017, I was in Bradenton, Florida, working Hurricane Irma, which is what brought me to Florida. At the time, I never considered, I actually had Brother Jeff Fole. I, I was going to church there on Sundays. You're doing disaster relief. You work pretty much seven days a week. But somehow on Sundays, my truck would break down, and I'd have to tell them, y'all fix it. I'm going to church. But I, I was going, Brother Fole, just out of nowhere, he said, well, you might as well come start a church here in Florida. Some words to that. He said, you might as well pastor in paradise. And at the time, Brother Williams, it never crossed my mind. I never considered it. But when God begins to set things in motion, we don't even understand what's happening. We, we, we don't even see the hand of God working in it a lot of times. But when you get to the other side and you look back, the Bible said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm thankful. But during that time, we, <laughs> we came to Fort Myers for one service. I'm a soul winner. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm going to do my best to bring somebody to the house of God. And Brother Williams, we had a good Assemblies of God boy working with us. Love God. And I talked him in to come into Fort Myers with me. And you're going to remember this night. 
I forget the evangelist that was here, but he preached about the roar of the lion. And I remember Brother William standing out here with his phone, with a decibel meter. This little assembly of God boys kind of looking on and had pots and pans. Sister Williams, I don't know, did they ever replace your pot that they beat to death that night? <laughs> but I'm thankful that there's a people that is zealous about living for God. That, that you get dressed up and you're going to put the time in. You might as well give it all that you have. I can talk to that young man today on the phone and just ask him, how you doing? And if I'm in Florida, he wants to know, have you been back to that one church? There was an impact made. He may have, he may have stood there then. No, he didn't stand there because that preacher got him out in the middle of all the apostolics and had him running and, and, and everything. But there was a mark made. You know what? I want people to know I'm apostolic. I'm not going to worship like you. I'm not going to pray like you. When you leave the presence of God in the church that I'm in, you're going to know there's a difference. That's why we as soul winners can go into the streets and we can make a promise. Brother Leo, wherever you are, that if you come to my church, I promise you, you're going to feel something that you've never felt before. God Almighty is going to meet you in the altar. We're bringing broken people. We're bringing people that's lives are messed up and they're coming into the house of God and God is ministering to them. Don't quit. Don't quit. 24 hours a day, Brother Leo. Search and rescue. Jude, the 22nd verse said some having compassion, making a difference. I want to be a difference maker in the kingdom of God. Y'all pray for us. Come on, let's thank God for this great man and the anointing that's upon this family tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you will continue to pray for the Parker family and what God is doing amongst them? Believing God to use them in such a powerful, powerful way. Amen. What a great time we had in the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. How many of you thank the Lord for what he did in this place? Amen. When we finished this morning, we baptized Michelle in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Then we baptized Cora in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Then we baptized Alicia in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Two of them received the Holy Ghost uh, coming up out of the water this morning. And at our, at our campus in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, this morning they baptized Jean in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Then they baptized Basil in Jesus' name for the remission of her sins. Then they baptized Rosemarie in Jesus' name for the remission. Y'all get the point of what we're around here to do this evening? Two of them came out of the water speaking in tongues as God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
I'm telling you, God's been doing some incredible things. That's, I don't know, five, six, seven people this week or more baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, God is doing some amazing things. Somebody forwarded me a text message from a, a guest that was here this morning. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was uh, a young lady who is a co-worker of Sister Sabrese who was here this morning. Her name is Camilla. <laughs> That's going to be awesome when she gets the Holy Ghost. Then we'll have Camilla and Camila. And she sent Sister Sabri a text message this afternoon and was just blown away at what God did this morning. And... <clears throat> She was over here praying in the altars this morning. God's hand was on her. And she said, please let me know what the schedule is because this is my church. How many of you thank God for hungry people that God is bringing to us? Why don't we stand to our feet and give God another hand clap of praise all across this house for everything that he's doing tonight. Come on, let's thank him. Let's thank him. Hallelujah. What a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost. Just remain standing if you would. What a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost is in this place. I think it was three or four weeks ago, I text a great young man in this church uh, and said, I want you to be prepared to minister the word of the Lord. I, I just felt that, that perhaps God had deposited something in his spirit. And for the following consecutive few Sunday nights, uh, we just didn't even make it to the preaching around here. <laughs> the glory of God hit this place over and over again. And uh, so I told him, God must just want you to keep praying and working on that. And uh, so it is tonight that uh, I believe the word of the Lord is, is impregnated his spirit. And I believe that God has a word for us. I love Brother Matthew Clark. This young man is absolutely exceptional. And one of the things I have loved and appreciated about him uh, for the past six or seven years that I have known him is his humble and tender spirit towards God. And this young man is a Christian. He's a Christian. Brother Matthew, people can give you a lot of compliments, son. But I don't believe there's any higher compliment than for somebody to say that you're a true Christian. Amen. And uh, what an awesome young man. Very talented. God has blessed him with a beautiful wife and family. Amen. And um, I believe that God has a word for us today in this house. How many of you thank the Lord for this next generation that God is raising up? Would you put your hands together one more time and give God a great praise as Brother Matthew Clark comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight. Come on, let's give God a praise tonight. Come on, why don't you just let that marinate for a few minutes tonight. Hallelujah, come on somebody. Hallelujah, God loves a worshiper. God loves the true worshipers that are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe God's going to visit us in this sanctuary tonight. I believe there's going to be some people that are going to get their lives right at the altar tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. This is the hour when the true worshipers are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. God is looking for hungry people. God is looking for people that are hungry for him, that love him, that want him, that desire him, that want to seek him early. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty God, mighty God. How many of y'all love what you feel in the house of the Lord tonight? God has truly been speaking to me the past few weeks. A heavy word every Sunday that would pass. The time when the time would come and I would be ready to be prepared to preach, my bishop would be like, hey, son, be ready to preach. And I'd be like, yes, sir. And I would always pray. I was like, God, if you decide to intervene in this service, you can do much more than what I can do. I'm just a man. I'm a sinful man, born and shaping in iniquity. And I just prayed. I was like, God, let your will, not my will. Whatever you want to do. If there's people's hearts that need to still be prepared for what's got to be preached tonight, then let it be prepared. If it's me, if there's something more, you got to show me. Help me see it. And I can tell you, God has been dealing with me. And I wanted to touch on a, on a subject. It may be a little touchy to some. I know I've only been married for six and a half, close to six and a half months now. And I wanted to touch on this particular subject. The Chosen Bride. I want to take y'all's attention to the book of Esther. Chapter number 1, verse 10 to 12. We're gonna, it's going to be a lengthy passage, so bear with me. But we're going to read through the scripture that the Lord has prepared for tonight, for my assignment. Chapter 1 of the book of Esther, verse number 10. It says, On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mahaman, and bear with me on these words, I don't know how all these biblical words, Bizda, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains, everyone, everyone to say chamberlains, that served in the presence of, of Hazuerus the king. And history, Ahasuerus was also known as King Xerxes, the famous king that fought the, I believe, the Greeks at the Battle of Thermopylae. To bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal, to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Everyone say chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Verse 15. What shall we do unto the queen? These are all the chamberlains that came together. The, the king asked them to come together, and he asked them this question. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to law? Because she had not performed the commandment of the king Hazuerus by the chamberlains. And Mamekun answered before the king and the princes, Vashti, the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. The queen didn't only hurt the king. 
the, king's, the queen's willingness, Queen Vashti's willingness to disobey and to not be intimate with the king, not only affected the relationship with her husband, the king, but it affected all the other women that looked up to the queen. Verse 19, if it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not altered that Vashti come no more before the king Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. Because of her disobedience and her willingness to not be intimate with the king, she was no more able to, to, pre to present herself before the king. If I can turn your attention to verse 15 of chapter 2, the book of Esther. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, everyone say chamberlain, the keeper of the women appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Verse 17, and the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast unto all his princes and his servants, even Esther's feast, and he made a release to the, to the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. Why don't you all lift your hands for a few minutes? Hallelujah. God, we ask that you please intervene in this service tonight. God, use these lips of clay to convey the assignment that you have given me to preach tonight. Lord, if there's just one somebody here tonight that needs to hear this, then it's just for one somebody. If it's for nobody in this sanctuary but for someone that's tuning in online, then it's for that somebody that's tuning in online. God, we want an intimate relationship with you. We want to be the chosen bride. We don't want to be another Vashti that was willing to not be intimate and was willing to refuse your direct commandment. We want to be an Esther that was pure, that was willing to do everything she could if it pleased the king. And God, for a few moments, help me preach this assignment tonight, the chosen bride. Hallelujah. Why don't y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Throughout the scriptures, you may be seated. We see how that there are two women that are mentioned. One is an, an unfaithful, whorish woman, and the other is a faithful and chaste woman. One is a woman of many lovers, and one is a woman of one lover. They both are beautiful and attractive to the naked eye, but both strive to attain a different mission. The mission of one is to fulfill the desires of the flesh with its lusts and affections, and the other is to fulfill the desires of the king. What is intimacy? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, intimacy is closeness, inseparability. It is the state of being in a very personal or private relationship. According to a, a resource that I found through research, intimacy, the writer, the, the writer said that intimacy is never stagnant. Any stagnation in any relationship can and will kill intimacy. In the article, The Meaning of Intimacy, intimacy is seen as the unmasking of yourself in order to make yourself vulnerable and a trusting 
loving, secure relationship, and the sharing of secrets, hidden feelings, and private thoughts. In October 8, 2018, Dr. Marie Hartwell Walker, she is a licensed psychologist and marriage and family counselor. She specializes in couples and family therapy. She said intimacy, both often confuse it, people often confuse it with sexual intimacy. But people can be intimate, can, be, can have a relationship without being intimate. One night stands, friends with benefits, or relationships without love are examples of purely physical acts with no intimacy involved. They are what they are, but they don't foster warmth, closeness, or trust. Intimacy means deeply knowing another person and feeling deeply known. It doesn't happen in the first weeks and months of a new inciting relationship. It doesn't develop when one person nurtures a relationship more than the other. No. Intimacy, like fine wine, she says, takes time to deepen and mellow. It takes gentle handling and patience by all involved. And we're saying all involved. It takes the willingness to make mistakes and to forgive them in the name of learning. Intimacy is what most people long for, but not everyone finds, or rather makes. Why, she said, because intimacy, true closeness with another human being, can also be scary. Getting to the intimate core of a relationship requires that both people work through their fear by visiting and revisiting these areas. Intimacy matures and mellows over time. I know this is kind of a teaching aspect here tonight. I may preach a little bit. Whatever God wants is what it will be. But intimacy involves six things. Knowing, acceptance, appreciation of differences, safety, compassionate problem solving, and emotional connection. I'll just touch on a few of them. But knowing, a true intimate relationship lets both people know on the deepest level who they each truly are. They have looked into each other's soul and found what's something they value and appreciate so much that it can withstand the inevitable differences that exist between any two individuals. When you take the time to learn who God truly is, instead of coming in here and seeing all of us worship and dance crazy, instead of you making quick judgment calls, why don't you get your face in this book and learn who God really is, the one who formed you, from the dust of the earth, the one who took the time to come in the seed of, throughout the seed of Abraham and decided to take every whiplash, every crown of thorns on his head for you, the one who took the spear in his side for you. Intimacy cannot be stagnant. That's why you can't just be, you can't come here just to sit on a pew and do nothing. It's only a matter of time. So you will walk out, you'll be one of the people that'll walk out those doors. It's just like a regular relationship. If you were to take a husband and wife and the man was lazy and sat on his rear end the whole time while the wife was the one working, that would not work out long enough. And vice versa, if the woman was doing something and not really and just, just staying apart from the husband, the relationship would be separate and it would destroy very quickly. The scripture in Hosea, the prophet Hosea Scripture mentions my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In the book of 2 Thessalonians, 
and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not a love of the truth. It's important that you get your face in this book. The only way you're going to make it into the holies of holies with God, the only way you're going to be able to present yourself before the almighty presence of God is if you get intimate with him. He wants to be intimate with you. The Chamberlain in the book of Esther, it can be, it's easy to, to extrapolate the Chamberlain is your man of God. Notice in the book of Esther, it's in chapter 2, verse 8. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan, the palace, to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house, to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. He was also known as the chamberlain. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her the things for purification, which such a with such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens which were, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. You find that when she, when it was time, when her days of purification were done, when she went to present herself before the king, it says that she took nothing, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. All the other, may, all the, other the, the, the women, they were virgins. All the other ones, they took stuff with them to, to enhance their, their beauty, to stand before the king. But Esther didn't bring nothing but what the chamberlain said, hey, look, I know what the king loves. And if you just listen to me, I can get you to the dinner court with the king. I can get you to the bedchamber with the king. I can get you to become a mighty queen. I can get you to be the example. Do I have any Esthers in the building? Do I have any people that want an intimate relationship? This isn't just for women. This is for men too. Do you want to be intimate with the king? Safety. True intimacy happens when both people feel enough, safe enough to be vulnerable. That's the whole beauty of the intimacy with God. It's the place where you can be vulnerable to him. You can show him your mistakes, all your, all your failures. He can show you the bruises in his side. He can show you the nail-pierced hands and the, the head that was pressed with the crown of thorns. Intimacy, the, intim the bedchamber was designed to be vulnerable. It was a place of vulnerability. That's the beauty of true intimacy. Choosing wisely, nurturing intimacy involves this one thing, choosing wisely. According to a, a resource, the first rule of having an intimate relationship is to choose wisely in the first place. Many people, they come and they decide to choose the world over the in intimacy with the king. Vashti, she was beautiful just like Esther was. Esther was beautiful just like Vashti was. The difference was that Esther was willing to please the king. Vashti had no interest in pleasing the king. I'm pretty sure, and the Bible doesn't say this specifically, but I'm pretty sure there were many occasions where Vashti walking alone by herself in the inner court, man, I don't want to have to listen to my chamberlain no more. Why do I have to 
why do I have to present myself before the king every day? I got to I got to present I got to show him what he wants. I got to tell him what he likes. I got to agree with everything. Why do I have to listen to my chamberlain? The book of Daniel, we find that three Hebrew boys had to make a choice. They had to make a decision. You either bow before this image or you're thrown in the furnace, the fiery furnace. And we find that the three Hebrew boys, they made a decision. You know what? I know God can can deliver us out of this. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And we're going to serve him. They had, these were three teenage young men. They had true intimacy with God. They knew that their God was a healer, that he was a deliverer and a provider. They they were the ones that stood amongst all the adults. Parents, how were the young people, how were they going to know how to be the chosen bride if you don't show them how to be the chosen bride? You see, they, they couldn't, the queen couldn't just present herself however she wanted before the king. There was, the, the, the king only wanted certain things that the chamberlain wanted. And if your chamberlain tells you, look, we can't, we can't do those things. We can't listen to those things. We can't look at those things. We can't dress this way. He's your, he is your door. He is your key to helping you get to this level of intimacy with the king. And if you don't have a chamberlain, you have no intimacy with the king. If you can't, if you can't get, a, if you can't get a, out of yourself and listen to your chamberlain, you have no intimacy. You can't just present your, your, yourself the, however you want to before the king. He doesn't want you to show off all, all your goods to everybody else. He doesn't want you to attract the wrong attention. He doesn't want it to be too tight. He doesn't want it to be so flashy. God wants true intimacy with you. And your chamberlain is the way to get there. I'm sorry if this is too, too low grade of, a, of education right here. But this is so important because so many people fail at intimacy. They never read. They never pray. And a real, and a real relationship... The, one of the number one things that cause relationships to fall is lack of communication. If you don't communicate, there's no growth. If you don't communicate with the king, you're not going to get anywhere. If you can't learn to get here at the altar, he can, never, he can never take you to where he wants you to be. If you can never learn to pray, he can never take you to do all these great and mighty things. See, the reason why he wants to be intimate is so you can, you can grow the church that's what, that's the beauty of outreach. You got to be hungry. You got to want to be intimate. When you're intimate with the king, you produce, you produce all the children of the church, the newborn babes. You help them. You show them that they have to desire the sincere milk of the word. You nurture them. That's the beauty of true intimacy. Drawing a circle. Intimacy requires that your relationship with each other is somehow different from your relationships with everyone else. Many couples draw the boundary around their, their intimacy, exclusivity. And I'm using different words for the sake of younger ears. Others define their intimacy in different ways. 
whatever your decision about fidelity is, there needs to be something you both agree is the core of what makes your relationship special, precious, and unique from all others. Both agree that the boundary is so important that violating it would shake the very foundation of your coupleness. Personal standards that the couple states sets and place for themselves is what gives their relationship its own uniqueness and specialness. Whatever God tells you to do on a personal level, that's something between you and him that stays between you and him. That's, that's what makes your relationship with God so much more beautiful and so much more special. You got to communicate that in order to have those boundaries and to have those standards. Intimacy requires that both individuals be active and give their all in the relationship. Not 50-70, not 50-50, not 180, 100-100 is what will make a relationship last. That's the beauty. You see, today it's not, it's very uncommon to see a bunch of young, to see young people be married for decades. You only see the old, old, some of the older generation that's still left, that's still together because they stuck through the thick and thin. They had to learn the communication difficulties. They had, to, they had to show their vulnerabilities. They had to show their weaknesses. See, I'm sure King Ahasuerus also, as, as much as mad as he was, if you read, he was furious that Vashti refused to show, him, her, show, show herself before him. But I'm sure because men, it's not very common that men want to show their weakness as, as in crying. It's showing your weak, showing, crying for a man shows everyone that you're weak. And men don't like that because of the pride that's within them. They're, they want to be strong. They want to show everyone that I can stand. I can, I can, I can stand in the midst of ad, all these adversities. But I'm pretty sure that King Hasuerus, when he was all by himself, when he wasn't in the, in the palace, when he wasn't, when it was, when he wasn't fulfilling his, his duties as being the king over all the provinces, I'm pretty sure there were some times where he was crying and he was just like, Vashti, I loved you. I just wanted, I just wanted to see you. I just wanted to be intimate with you. As weird as this may sound, that's, that's, that's the beauty of intimacy. God just wants to see you. He wants, to, he wants you to present yourself before him. He wants, he wants to show you his hinder parts. Like he showed on Mount Sinai to, the, to Moses. He wants to show you things that not everyone else wants to take the time to see. He wants to, he wants to take you places that not everyone else is willing to go to take the process. Not everyone, wants, not everyone is, is called to be the chosen bride. Many are called. Few are chosen. Many will desire to be the bride. Few will ever, ever attain that, that place of intimacy with God. Because, number one, the few people that do were the ones that stuck it through. The ones that worked out conflict. Conflict is essential. That's what helps make relationships grow. It's natural to have conflict in any kind of relationship. You have to learn to embrace conflict. And that's one of the things you'll see throughout research is embracing the conflict. Amen? 
Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5, if you can turn that with me. Sixty-two verse five says, "For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee." We're the bride. We're the bride of the church. We're the church. That's that's that, that's that's one of the two women that were mentioned throughout the Bible. You have the women, and you have the whorish woman. The you, the the Bible talk mentions that it was the the strange woman in the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, chapter 5. And if you can turn there with me. Book of Proverbs, chapter 5, verse 3 to 8. You can put that up on the screen for me. It says, for the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Next verse. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Continue. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O children, and depart from the words of my mouth. In verse 8, remove thy way far from her. And come not nigh the door of her house. That's why we don't, that's why we preach separation from the world. This isn't just something that we preach, this is something that the Apostle Paul preached at the Church of Corinth. Did you know that the Church of Corinth was a seaport? And I'm and elevating all the way above the Church of Corinth was the temple, I believe, of Aphrodite, where a lot of prostitution went on over there. We see that the Apostle Paul had to talk to them not just once, but twice. That's why there's a second book of Corinthians. He had to talk to them twice about their purity. God wants that purity. Not, he doesn't want the world to get that. That's why we can't get too close to the world. That's the problem Lot had when he was by Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't start in Sodom and Gomorrah. He started with looking at Sodom and Gomorrah. He started with pitching his tent. There was a place where he got comfortable, where he was like, okay, that looks good. But I don't know about Uncle Abraham. I don't know, I don't, I don't want him being all over my back. I mean, you know, man, it looks really nice. Come on, come on, Uncle Abraham, can I just. We see that chapters later, that Lot ended up in the place of Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't love God like Abraham did. There was no, he didn't, God had meant nothing to him like how it meant to Abraham. The metamorphosis, the change of the woman, or go through three separate changes. We, 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 we sometimes adopt new lovers of the world's ideas and ways. And because of our, we, of our adoption of the world's ways, we start to dress differently. We start to, we start to dress in ways that are not pleasing to the king. We start to act in ways that are not pleasing to the king. Love is an action and not a feeling. You can say 
You can't say that you love God and not do the things that he says to do. Put up on the screen John chapter 14, verse 24 for me. John chapter 14, verse 24. And wither, 14, verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. You got to love him. He desires, he wants your love. He wants, he wants your vulnerability. See, a lot of people fear to be intimate for these reasons. Fear to be intimate, and bear with me here for a second. Fearing to be intimate is fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, childhood sexual abuse and other causes like neglect from parents, separation issues involving over-dependence on, on parents and family, and the fear of being controlled or losing oneself in a relationship. Some of them are low self-esteem, trust issues, history of unstable relationships, episodes of anger, avoiding physical contact, Unable to share feelings or express emotion. Insatiable relation, intimacy, intimacy, desire, sexual desire. And living in self-imposed social isolation. To being intimate with someone is to share those close intimate, those close emotional or physical ties. If you fear intimacy, you fear becoming too close to others. Why don't we just lift our hands for a second here? I believe God wants to do something different in this house. Come on, why don't you all stand up to your feet and lift up your hands right now. God wants to do something in somebody's life here tonight. I have more, more to say. But I want God to do something in this house tonight, more than what my words can even say. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift up your hands right now. Come on, God is looking for semesters. God's not interested in any vast ties. God wants, God wants, to, wants to show you his hinder parts. God wants you to be vulnerable with him. Come on, somebody lift up your voice unto him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. God wants you to be the chosen bride. You can't just present yourself however you want to. You can't just have your skirt too short. He doesn't want you to be shown to be looking like the world. If new people are going to come in this house, they got to know how to present themselves before the king. Come on, the king loves you. The king wants an intimate relationship, relationship with you. He wants to have a marriage supper with you. Come on, somebody. 
Just as a tree is known by its fruits, a marriage is known by its fruits. Come on, somebody. The outside of your intimacy can't look good, can't just look good, although that's important. The inside's got to look good, too. You got to have the moments when you're by yourself all alone, when it's just you and the almighty God. Come on, somebody. God wants an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to be, he wants you to be a vessel into honor. Sanctified and meet for the master's use. God doesn't want, a, doesn't, want a, doesn't want an intimate relationship if you're not willing to go through the process of being intimate with him. Come on, somebody. God made this altar just for you so you could communicate, so you could finally get out of your shell and finally talk to him face to face. It doesn't matter who's looking at you. Whatever you got to do to be intimate with the king of kings. In the Lord of Lords, whatever you got to do, if it requires you sacrificing some things, if it, if it requires you to not dress the way that you've been dressing, do whatever it takes and you do it because that's what makes your relationship so much more to the King of Kings. <laughs> Come on, somebody, why don't you lift up your voice? Why don't you pour out yourself to him? Come on, come on, come on. That's it, young lady. That's it, young lady. You take those bobby pins down. You let their hair fall down. And you worship the king. Come on, young man. When's the last time that you decided to get out of yourself and to step out of your pride and get your pride out of the way and get intimate with the king? Your stagnation is going to cause you to kill your relationship. It's going to cause you to not be able to present yourself before the king. Come on, somebody. Why don't you let that marinate for a few minutes? I believe God wants to do something great tonight. Come on, come on. We could be here longer. I feel like God wanted to do something different. I feel like he wanted to intervene. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's my